Welcome to the Sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect, the podcast where I explore the wonderful world of womanhood and where I celebrate those women who are changing the game for all of us. So it's been a while. I'm back. I'm back. I'm into this series now, uh, this four part series, which takes a positive and realistic look at aging. We are unpacking a lot in here. And the whole reason I'm doing this is because I am turning 45 soon. So chapter 45 is coming fast. Um, Am I ready for it? Don't know. And that's why I'm talking to other women who are 40 plus um, and talking about how they see themselves now that they are getting older. Um, How the world sees them is that the same thing. Um, Their self-care, life lessons they've learned along the way and still things that they are still figuring out about themselves at this big age. That's why it's called at this big age. So in this episode, I am joined by yoga therapist and empowerment coach Deepa Sapra. Welcome to the Sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect, Deepa. Thank you so much for having me. Super psyched. <laughs> um, Deepa, first of all, how 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 old are you? I mean, I know, but the listeners don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, you are a mom of two as well. Uh, and uh, are you doing what you thought you'd be doing at this big age? Oh, Lord. Um, okay, so I turned 40 in, on September 11th, and it, it was a big deal. But I was so excited because I called it the decade of not giving two bleeps. And am I doing what I had thought in my late 20s? I got married just before my 20th birthday. So at that time, my relatives very kindly reminded me that I'm turning into a pickle. Wait, wait a minute. You got married just before you turned 20? 28. 28, 28. Okay. Yeah, I, I got, I was 28 as well. Oh, what's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I don't know what's going on with this. Sorry. I was 28 as well. And I thought I was a pickle myself. Did you feel like that? Or was this something that was put on you? I never felt like that. It was definitely put on me because even now I am 40 and I'm a proud 40 year old. But I truly feel like I'm like 33, 32. And often people tell me that they're like, we would have never guessed that you're 40. And it's not even a compliment because I'm proud of being 40. But am I doing what I thought I'd be doing? No. I thought I'd be a mother of three, really chunky. I'm, I'm no stick figure, but really chunky in like the auntie kind way, wearing suits, cooking, living with her in-laws, very desified. I remember when we I went for my wedding shopping, my mom told honey auntie, the tailor, honey, do do inch, this would clear. Meaning make sure everything you stitch, it's two inches bigger than what she is now because she's going to put on weight immediately. And here I am as a yoga therapist, fairly fit, don't feel my age, running businesses. <laughs> Did they, was that a thing of like, oh, you know what? She's going to be contented in her life. She's got into mom mode. She'll be like making and eating parate every day with her family. That's it. Which I did do. But I also had dreams and aspirations. I'll never forget. I think it was like my first week living with my in-laws and my father-in-law was sitting on the sofa with me. And he's like, 
a, a sign of a happy daughter-in-law is a plump daughter-in-law. So eat generously. <laughs> and we wonder why we've got diabetes in our community. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's so funny. Um, I mean, it's quite cute though. Like they, some people get the, the, the reverse, don't they? Like, oh, don't, don't eat too much. Or I've heard, like, apparently my mom was saying to me that my daddy said to her, always make sure you eat less than your husband. Um, it's like, okay. I don't know. Not not very nice. Not a very feminist no. agenda there. Um, yeah. Um, so you came to the UK for after you got married, right? Yes. Marriage brought me over. People still ask me. They're like, oh, how long are you visiting for? And I'm like, well, it's only been 12 years. So they're shocked. They're like, oh, my God, you still sound very. But I've picked up the the jargon, the lingo. You know, there are things like. For example, the one example that I can think of is I went back to New York and I, I told my friend's husband, I'm like, yeah, we'll sort it out. He's like, that's a British thing, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, like figure it out, sort it out. Yeah. So because other than that, you, your accent still is quite strong, right? Yeah, fairly strong. Yeah, yeah. Some of my American friends can hear a slight difference. But it's about time. I tried learning the British accent after my daughter was born. I did all the nursery rhymes with the British accent. My husband's like, this calls for a divorce. So he's like, you sound horrendous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so funny. Um, okay. So whereabouts in New York are you from, by the way? I grew up in Queens. Oh, Queens. Okay. Celebrated my first birthday at Botanical Gardens with the few families that we knew. And then my family, when, when, when families tend to do a little bit well, they move to Long Island. So now my family's in Long Island. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, bougie. Um, so did the, did the passion for yoga start over there or when you came over here? It started when I was much younger. I was a, I was a teenager. My mom would share stories about how she used to do yoga, but that sec sector of yoga that she did is known as kriyas, which is very Ayurvedic inspired. So she would tell me things like she would drink a gallon of water and then vomit that whole gallon out. And all this gook would come out of her. She'd put like gauze through her nose and, and, mm. and mouth. Yeah. She'd do all sorts of cleansing practices. This, because is, this is your mom. This, this, this is, is your, right. Mom. Yeah. And I, that inspired me because she shared a belt of hers with me. She was digging out and she's like, I used to wear this belt after your brothers. I had two boys. I used to wear a sari. And over the sari, I would wear this belt. And I'm now 13. I try this belt. It is snug, like borderline, won't even close. And she's like, she, she mocked me that, you know, how chunky I was and how she had two boys and the reason why she was fit because she would do these kriyas and practice yoga. And that led me to watching this ZTV show called Yoga For You. And I used to do yoga watching this man in the middle and two sidekick, female sidekicks on the side. Um, I started doing yoga with them and then I wanted a little bit more. And when I got my driver's license, I found this ashram in Queens near Jackson Heights. And I would go there my very first class there, the way the teacher taught yoga, he explained the twist. He explained the forward bend. 
I was swept off my feet. And I'm like, if I'm ever going to teach yoga, it's going to be like that. And I kept going back. I took my sister-in-law. She went once, never went back. I took my best friend. She giggled so much that she was kicked out of the class. Um, I just kept going back. And I told my dad, like, I want to do my yoga teacher training. And he he was like, no. And my dad is the kind of guy, if I asked him for money, he'd give me more than what I'd ask for. And he's like, no, because in his mind, yoga is for Hindus and we are sick and you are going to convert. He had this cult thing going in his mind that, you know, Deepa's going to jump ship. And he wanted me to have this career where financially the struggles he faced as an immigrant, he doesn't want those for me. And so yoga has been a part of my life. I don't know why I truly believe, and this might spook people out. I think there's a past life link. And why do you think that? Because it's not illness that got me into it. It's not some sort of dramatic story. It was just so simple the way yoga plotted its way in, into my life. And every time I did it, it felt right. And I don't blame my family for freaking out because I became a vegetarian. I started reading more books. I started unfolding into a path that was so foreign. And at the age of 19, I was doing full moon fasts. I was practicing yoga so consistently but it was a it was just very private. It wasn't something that I was able to discuss with my family, even though my mom had done yoga. But it was never something that she saw herself doing for a living. Um, and was that your was that your profession then, or was it just like a side thing? And then you studied something it was just else? That, no, it, it didn't become my profession. Oh my god, this is going to blow you away. So when I was 25, 26, I met this couple, Tom and Wendy, through this through my job. I used to work at a holistic center. And Tom had hardware in his back. He had an injury, and he would come to the center for healing modalities to, to, to serve him to live a better quality of life. And I would tell Tom, like, Tom, breathe. Elevate your pranic life force. If you breathe, you're going to heal so much about yourself mentally, physically. You know what? Meditate, breathe, meditate, breathe. Do this pose. If you can't do forward bends, this, that, you know, even if you just use your arms and, and, and gently twist and gently this and gently. I think after four months, five months, he goes, just teach me this thing called yoga and the floodgates open and I am bawling and I'm like, my family thinks I'm going to convert and they, they're they against it. I, I practice on, on, on the DL. And him and his wife, Wendy, they didn't have children. They treated me like the daughter they never had. And they invited me over for Christmas that year. And I've never had a Christmas meal. I've never had a Christmas tree. Whenever I tell my family, can we do Christmas? And they're like, the day you celebrate all 10 gurus, we'll talk about Jesus. And that never happened. <laughs> I never celebrated all 10 gurus. So Jesus never made it to our house. And Tom and Wendy, after the Christmas meal, they're like, we didn't know what to get you for Christmas. But it feels right to gift you the yoga teacher training. 
I was mm, utterly. I actually feel like crying. That is so cute. It was that moment where parents that birthed you never saw what you are capable of. They never believed in live your dream, but go, go, do what you need. No. And then I have Tom here who, and, and Wendy who saw it. And they were all about live your dream. So it was a very rich dad, poor dad moment in my life. And I did my yoga tea and they were my first one-to-one -one clients and they paid for their sessions because that's the seed they wanted to plant in me. I finished my yoga teacher training. I started teaching at this yoga studio in Garden City. I The first form that I taught was restorative yoga because I was so in love with the, the healing aspects of yoga. And here I am fighting that yoga is not a workout. It's beyond that. Yoga can serve on many layers. So restorative yoga was like my forte. And then I moved here. I made sure I got a job so that I don't look to anyone to pay for my training. And I became a yoga therapist. I got my diploma and I have two babies. It's like, whoa, how do I do this? That That is uh, amazing and it's so lovely that somebody saw that in you and wanted to just like uh, water the seed and, and look what's happened. You know, are you still in touch with them? Yes, not weekly, monthly, but we, we have kept in touch. That's really nice. Um, so, okay, you're saying how yoga is not just, it's, it's not just a workout and what, what, what benefit can yoga have for us? And especially let's look at it in, uh, in terms of us as women who are in the category of older women now, you know, over 40. Like what, what benefit can yoga have for us? Yoga made me realize the power of impermanence. We all are going to pass on one day. But we live in a society where we think we can lock everything like this is it this is forever it's permanent and we take it for granted i knew when i got married that i'm gonna be 30 soon sorry we're gonna be 30 soon i'm gonna be 30 soon and my metabolism is gonna change so i started eating more mindfully in your 20s you can eat you can hoard you your metabolism is on fire you don't have to worry about anything. I would drink an espresso shot and sleep like a baby. And then when I turned 35, I also knew things were going to slow down a bit more. I've had two children. Things are different. And I always honored that thanks to yoga. Because yoga helps you realize that you're living this illusion. You're living in a world of maya. Maya is illusion. And when you learn to observe your thoughts, when you learn to observe this world, you become less attached. And when you're not attached, you are more joyful. You live in the present moment. And in this moment, as a 40-year-old woman, my soul has taken on the form of a 40-year-old woman right now. 
I'm going to treat this body like a temple and honor the very fact that the only thing that's permanent is change. So what is yoga good for? It's a lifestyle. It's a way of being. It's a way of living. And I'm contending with the fact that a world of people who think yoga is an exercise. Oh, I don't do yoga because I can't touch my feet. Mm, don't do yoga, be yoga. So if anyone wants to annoy me, say things like that. You know, that that's that's one thing that will get me to the edge of my seat. And I just want to hold the person and say, touching your feet is the tiniest byproduct of yoga. Yoga is a way of thinking, is a way of being, is a way of living, is a way of breathing. Wow, that's actually quite deep. Um, yeah, I mean, this, you know, the whole world is basically saying the opposite right now. The modern world, all the messages that the modern world is giving, all the things that are telling, they're telling people to buy is literally the opposite of what you have said. How does that make you feel? I mean, the, the, this way of life, I mean, I know, I, you probably want to just open people's eyes, right? How, how are you feeling? And especially like as a mom raising children, you know, there's a lot of, you know, parents thinking, oh, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. We live in an age of consumerism. Let's buy our kids this, that, iPhones, blah, blah, blah. It's all about, you know, going on your iPad or buying this or, you know, eating Skittles or whatever. You know what I mean? How do you manage that as a mom with the knowledge that you have raising children? So I guess actions speak louder than words. So not too long ago, about three weeks ago, my son goes, I love food. The only food I'll ever say no to is McDonald's. And I'm like, why is that? He goes, because whenever we bought it, you never eat it. You never, you, I know it's not good for you because you don't go near it. And I'm like, wow. And because when I do the school run, every now and then I'm on a phone, on, on the phone, it's like quickly handling this, sorting this, talking to my husband, maybe talking to my family in New York. I realized that when I pick them up, I'm not present. So now it's like, no, I won't be on the phone when I pick them up. I will make sure that I'm arms open, hugging them, waiting for them. And even when my husband leaves, little things go a long way. When my husband leaves, we all go to the door and say bye. When I leave, they all come to the door and say bye. These little connections can build such a strong foundation in, in children. When I sit down and meditate, they'll just sit down with me. Sean would actually say, I, I feel stressed. Nirvana's really got me upset. I'm like, do you think you should sit down and just breathe? You know, just face the garden and, and take in nature. I think I'll do that, mom. Nirvana, she's writing her own meditations. This is not something I teach. It's just because this is who I am. They're not, she's, she's come up with her own career. She wants to be a spiritualist. What's that? I don't know. But apparently, because my husband's a habit coach, I'm a yoga therapist. She's come up with a combination of the both of us. And it's called spiritualist. <laughs> yeah. 
what it is it is so much like not what we say oh do this do that that's healthy it, you're so right it's what we show them and and it and and a lot of I speak to my friends who they're similar ages and they have children as well, similar age children. And, you know, sometimes we talk about like, oh, I really, I, I want to put my kid in this activity. Why don't they just go? And they keep complaining and they don't just go off and do this activity that we're paying for so they, so they can learn new things, so they can learn a sport, so they can learn the piano or whatever. But sometimes I realized, and it's very time consuming this, not everybody has the time for it. You, you have to actually just keep doing the things with them and in front of them. And and because it's like, you know, one of my one of my kids, um, they do Taekwondo, my kids. And one of them, um, she, the, the, my middle daughter, she was like, oh, I really want to give up. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't really like it and stuff. So I mean, my husband were like, we really want you now that you've put all these years into at least get to black belt level that's something that you've achieved and you can say I've done this and I've got to this level and then we're happy you put work and time in you can stop so she did and I I still you know I felt a little bit sad and I was like well what's she gonna do now like she she does like a few other bits but like what is she gonna do like with that time and not that kids have to be doing something all the time but you know when your other kids do it you're like well why don't you want to do it but then I realized that the things that she likes to do are actually with me like she'll she likes yoga so if we do yoga together she loves that she likes going on a bike ride. Does that mean she's going to go on a bike ride by herself? No, it doesn't. But she likes it when we go. So I've got to do these things as well. And I enjoy doing them. And that's actually a big privilege to be able to do those things with your kid. But I've realized that that's actually, it's okay that she's doing them. She's doing them with me. She's seeing, it makes it probably more fun because I'm into it as well. Wow. I love that. I love that. <laughs> like, I get that too. I want my child to do this. I was that person. Nirvana dropped out of tap. She dropped out of ballet. She dropped, and I learned about myself that I was vicariously living through her because I didn't have that as a child. And she has it. And she's ungrateful. <laughs> she did not go through my 40-year journey for her to see what she should and should not be grateful for. What she is grateful for, story time with us, with her dad and I. That, you know, those things that you put on your hand and the bowl sticks to it. So we have four of them. Hubby, myself, Nirvana, Sean. I'm telling you, those 15, 20 minutes of that catch is like the highlight of the week, the month, the year. That's so cute, though. Exactly. Yeah. So I, yeah, for now it's it's Punjabi. But that came with a death threat. I was like, you could give up on gymnastics. You can give up on this. Reminding her that she made these choices. Now it's my turn. Punjabi, you're not giving up on. And she actually is enjoying it. You know something? It, I I honestly say this to people that I think it the education that your children are going to get, like what you say to the kids, this is your education. You're going to learn these things. It doesn't have to be set by the government, the curriculum. I feel as a parent, it's okay to say, this is the education that I feel that you are going to get. So their school is part of that. But then if learning your own mother tongue is part of that, it's part of your education, you know, or if I'm saying learn a martial art until you're a black belt, that's part of your education. Or if I'm saying learn how to swim because it's a life skill and you don't like it, I'm sorry, but it's part of your education because you don't like everything in school 
but I'm, we're telling you this for a reason. So that's my, you know, they're probably like, what the hell? Why is our mom so like <laughs> militant? Exactly. It's, it's right now. Yes. They feel that we are militant, but it's also raising a well-rounded human. Yeah. And, and we, yeah. sorry, go on. No, no. After you. Um, part of this whole thing of, of doing things differently to, what society is telling us you know like oh you know we are going to do be mindful with the things that you're doing with your kids and showing them they're not things that are the norm right you know like I said to you like it's really uh, recently it's really kind of um weighing on my mind the way that we're in a we're in a society where it's like even the food that is available readily available a lot of it is actual trash and and you know, like, and I, I was probably buying this trash. I was probably like, oh yes, cocoa pops and Cheerios for breakfast. And now, like, just with the knowledge that I've got, and this is one of the things of me getting older. I think, I think I'm just really looking at what am I putting in my body and my kids' body, and looking to people who really research this, and thinking, oh my god, like, just because we were, mar we're the marketing is so good for these things, right? The marketing is so good. We're like, oh, Weetabix is like best thing in the world and if you eat wheat a bit you're gonna do like you know have the best day ever i don't think slow so. energy release no no because basic oats will do that you know so it's just like you know when you see past all of this and you're like what we're literally being marketed this stuff all the time and people are still falling for it or even like you know I, i'm not gonna ban everything from the house but like you know, even like bagels like um, I was just watching this guy um, get a bagel from like a year ago and it still looked exactly the same. <laughs> and you're just like, why are these these foods that we're eating, even flies don't want to go to them because they're so like pumped with like stuff that's going to make them last forever. So why am I getting these regularly and giving them to my kids? So, you know, I'm having a bit of a wake up call in that way. And it's not very popular in the house because everybody wants to eat Cocoa Pops for breakfast, for example. But, you know, that's, I'm on a learning curve in that way. Do you, do you feel like you, as you're getting older, you're doing things a little bit differently, like for yourself and for your family as well? Yes. But at the same time, I've, I've learned to observe and watch and not say, don't go near the Haribo. Don't do that. I, I don't do that anymore. I don't bring it in the house. It's not on the grocery list. Um, they, the kids see me reading what I'm picking up and Sean would be like, what are you reading? It's, it's this, it's that, like, it's very obvious. Hello. And I'd be like, yes, it's meant to be that, but look at this, look at all these ingredients. If it's just this, why do they have 50,000 things in there? And do you think our body knows how to break it down? And Nirvana, Miss Sassy Queen, like, She'd be like, then why are we buying it? I was like, we're not. I'm just <laughs> reading it and reminding myself that, you know what? Every time I pick up something, even though it's labeled organic, even though it's labeled this, we still, it's, it's to the point, I've come to the point where, oh my God, I need to live on a farm and grow my own stuff. <laughs> you know, that's what it's come to. So this is why I've learned to just step back and breathe and encourage the kids to make their own decisions. I would not say that's good, that's bad. You decide for yourself. Mm. And and it, and it is what you bring in the house as well, right? What is available to them. 
And, you know, I, I, I've decided that I don't want to be that mom where if we go to a party or something, I'm like, don't you dare drink a lemonade. Like, I don't want to do that, you know. You, and, and, you know, don't, you're not going to have these sweets that someone gave to you. Like, I, I don't think that that, I don't want to do that to them either. But I've realised that it is, you know, if we're control, in control of what they bring in the house, it can form healthy habits. We went to a, 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 a family friend's house and her son is on the kitchen counter. He must be about two. And he has a glass of Coke and he's chugging it down. I don't blame you, boy. Like with that kind of sugar, I'll happily chug it down myself. And the mother panicked. She's like, I don't give it to him all the time. I, I've not said a word. All I've done was I'm looking for my son walking through the kitchen and she panics. Like I'm going to. The judgment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the oh yoga God. mom. No, she can't see this. <laughs> like you do you. If that resonates with you as a parent to give your child Coke, I, I don't have the capacity to judge you. And another thing that I've learned from yoga, that the moment I criticize someone else, that's a reflection of me. I can't just see the good things in people because I'm not that good. I can't see just the bad things in people because I'm not that bad. I don't. Yoga has definitely taught me that the glass is not half full. The glass is not half empty. It's just half. And when you live in that kind of reality, you feel so neutral. That's when the good, the bad, everything you learn, it comes from one source. So you were saying a bit earlier how um, you all this is it's Maya it's an illusion and everybody's going to go one day and you know just the way that you think about it all because of yoga however I don't know if you are turning 40 went through this um or maybe this is to come for you but I like a year or so ago um I, it just hit me like oh my god time is going so fast and like you know the children are growing so quickly I'm getting older like I look at my parents and they're getting older and it, I felt really scared. I feel really scared of everything going so quick. And this, I mean, I don't want to, you know, get us into a depressed mode, but these are things which are, they are things that come to mind when you do get older, you know. Um, do you, is that something that you felt or do it because of the way that you live your life and yoga, do you not think about it like that? Truthfully, I do feel that way only when I speak to my parents and more so my dad. My dad wished us, we spoke on Diwali, we wished each other. And right around Diwali is hubby's birthday. And I spoke to him and he goes, I haven't spoken to you guys. I didn't wish you happy Diwali. I didn't even wish Sonu, Sonu is my husband's home name. I didn't even wish Sonu happy birthday. I'm like, dad, we did speak. And it breaks my heart. Like my dad is starting to forget things. And that's when I realize how fast life is going. Yeah. And if he's aging up, doesn't mean I'm going in the opposite direction. I'm right behind him. But when I look at my children, I don't feel that way. I look at them as what tools can I give them so that when I'm not here, they are okay. As a parent, I've done my job because I feel like even though my parents are of a very different mindset. 
they've done phenomenal with the three of us, my brothers and I. They are amazing parents. But now watching, listening to him not remember or recall certain things scares me. So, yeah, it does scare me. It does hit me with a ton of bricks. Mm. Um, what what do you think, like, with... Uh the knowledge that you have with yoga and you know health and wellness and stuff what do you think is how can we incorporate that as women who are getting older how should we be incorporating that how how what do you think is the best way to mentally and physically prepare ourselves for what is to come because obviously you know people say oh i'm not getting any younger we're really not and you know we obviously look at me look at you come on i think we look good right but however things happen uh, as people get older so what i'm saying to you is with the knowledge that you have and you know the studying that you've done uh, on health and well-being and yoga what are the things that we should be doing so in yoga there's a limb called swadhyaya even though yoga is known for eight limbs, there are many, 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 many limbs. And one of the limbs are swadhyaya. Swadhyaya means self-study, which I feel like it's such a foreign concept. Have you ever sat down after a meal and reflected on how it's making you feel? I've noticed when I eat bread, when I eat rice, when I eat potatoes, just give me a pillow and a blanket. Goodbye. Peace out. You know, there could be a marching band and I am out cold. And I've noticed that when I'm eating food with more life force, fresh veggies, fruits, you know, I love vegetables. I feel energized. I feel like I can run a marathon. But I love Rajma Chawal. Does it mean I sacrifice Rajma Chavel because rice makes me drowsy? No. No. We need to understand that everything within our body is starting to slow down. Chew your food as much as you can and study, observe, watch. God gave us two ears and one mouth, but we behave like we have no ears and 15 mouths because of social media, like replying this, doing that, email this, blah, 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 constantly pouring out. We don't even listen to, for the sake of listening. We listen to reply back, mm. right? I learn more when I'm listening. And I've learned more about myself when I'm listening to myself. How am I speaking to myself? Women put themselves down. I am my number one cheerleader. I love me. And because I love me, I've noticed everyone around me loves me. Because that's what's happening inside me. And if that one person that has something to say about me, that's not expressing love, I send them even more love because there's something going on inside them mm. that's so painful that they wanna see something else about me. And that's okay. So when it comes to yoga, when it comes to giving women advice, don't eat calorie counting. Don't eat because the world is turning vegan and you need to be vegan. Don't eat micro macro. Eat hormonally. 
understand your hormones. Understand when you eat a certain food, what's happening within you. And all of a sudden, that piece of cake that you want, rather than having a full, massive slice, maybe you'll have two, three bites. Maybe you'll have a quarter of a slice. Never stop. Don't do extreme because look at life, look at yourself as a pendulum, all right? People who go from one extreme will come back to the other extreme, then go back to the other. Think of what's going to bring you to the center, into that neutral space. And when you're in that neutral space, you see everything for what it is. Not half full, not half empty, half. And then you make your decisions from that center point. And that center point is the bird's eye view. Look at your life and what's taking you from, certain relationships can take you to one extreme to the other. Really angry, I hate this person. I love this person. Look at your relationships. Look at the foods that take you from one extreme to the other. Look at your career. Is it taking you from one extreme to the other? Look at every area of your life. And then you'll make your decisions mindfully. Mm. It makes so much sense. It really does. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Um, so what, what do you think at this big age that you have figured out about yourselves? What are your biggest life lessons so far? No one's responsible for my happiness. I have a roommate inside me who can either take me down or up. I've learned to come to a very neutral space with that roommate. Some call it ego. There are various names for it. My body, you know, people say your body's your temple. I really feel like I'm starting to honor it. I, I hated weight training. I hated the gym. I thought it was the most egotistical, masculine, showing off. I love the gym now. So I guess you can say don't judge is one huge lesson. And you could take away everything from me. Don't take my meditation away from me. Because that is the ultimate form of yoga ultimate form of yoga I think that's probably one that I struggle the most with in terms of I'm very good at the physical aspect of things I'm very good at you know all the activities like I, I do quite a lot of varied workouts weights running spinning class swimming I'm always doing something and you know the kids join me and whatever I, and yoga is something which I've kind of begun to, begun to embrace over the last couple of years and I will say began to embrace because it's probably just like the literal like tip of the iceberg to from what yoga is especially like from talking to you um 
you know, but it's more the movement side of things. And, and I feel like the, I'm probably scared of like the, the other side meditation and things like that. You know, I just feel a bit like, oh, those things are not for me. Do you get what I'm saying? I feel like, oh yeah, tell me to run a marathon and I'll start training tomorrow. Like, but those kind of slowing down mindfulness, you know, meditation, I just feel a bit like it's very out of my comfort zone. What I'd say to that is when I went away for a Vipassana retreat, it's a 10 day retreat where you observe silence and all you do is meditate and they feed you, you stay there, no contact with the outside world. I was there for 10 days. And was this in India? No, it was here. Right. 10 days uh, of not talking and meditation is hardcore meditation the first session is at 4 30 in the morning and it goes till like 7 38 o'clock in the evening but you're not constantly there's like a hour hour and a half um session of meditation you get a break you walk the grounds like i became best friends with this you know honeybee over there and 10 days right day five was when my mind shut off so when people say, oh, I meditate for five minutes, great start. As a teacher, I will encourage you and be so proud of you. But as just a yoga practitioner myself, I would say that's not enough. You're starting with five minutes. From my personal experience, 10 days of meditation, day five is when the thoughts subsided. So I don't blame you for being scared. I don't blame you for, it's like this vortex, this unknown. Mm. You're just sitting there and, and watching yourself. Initially, it's going to start off with checklists. It's going to be like, I could so rather be, you know, ticking my checklist off than be sitting here. Then over time, slowly, slowly, it's like, okay, let me just breathe. Okay, let me put on a guided meditation. Let me start somewhere. Take baby steps, but be consistent. When it comes to meditation, there are three things you need. Compassion. Be compassionate towards yourself. I'm new. I don't know. And because I don't know, I'm going to fall. Imagine every baby took that first step, fell, said, I ain't doing this again. They keep trying. So think of yourself as that baby. Patience. As a society, we lack it. Be patient with yourself. It's like learning to ride a bicycle. Some get it in one go. Some just never get it. It's, it's, a, it's a balancing act. And the third ingredient, <laughs> so patience, compassion, uh, patient, be patient, be compassionate, and be consistent. Don't think that you did yoga one day and then next week you can do it, uh, meditation one day and then next week or the week after you'll do it. No, five minutes every day, every day. I don't care if you forget to brush your teeth, you don't forget to meditate. And every night when you get into bed, you can do it for five minutes. I tell everybody one hour of yoga with me every week is great. 15 minutes 
of yoga on your own every day is powerful. And they're like, just 15 minutes? Just 15 minutes. And the amount of people that fall off the bandwagon is shocking. Out of, say, 10 people who start off with this 15-minute-a-day mission, one survives. One. Uh, this, how, how do, how do we even begin to, to do that five, uh, five, uh, five minutes a day meditation is, is my question. Like I, some, I don't actually know what I'm supposed to be doing if I'm honest with you. I would say for five minutes, maybe stare at the flame of a candle. Just watch it flick, dance, maybe listen to a five minute guided meditation maybe start with breathing just watch your breath have nam simran or something going on in the background to keep you focused but the whole point is and the game changer in meditation is catch yourself being distracted when you become the watcher then your meditation game is on and then be that loving herder, the way, you know, that the, the, the person herds the sheep back. Catch yourself, ha, caught you, got you, and come back to your breath. And the more you catch yourself, I promise you, with the consistent, patient, compassionate practice towards yourself, you will be less distracted. You will catch yourself less because it's your rewiring the wires, the neurons that fire together, wired together, right? So we are in a society where everything's instant gratification. And if you're gonna rewire yourself with compassion, patience, and consistency, it will take time. You are contending five minutes against 23 hours and 55 minutes. That's unfair to yourself but it's a start. One thing that I uh, have on my list of things to ask you is your uh, yoga, uh, yoga teaching, uh, managing business and kids, you have a husband, you know, you got parents that you're checking in on, as you've said, um, be it that they're across the other side of the world, in-laws, how do you balance this? Um, <laughs> I don't. I just go with the flow. Uh, it's it's challenging, uh, to be very honest with you. My husband, gem of a guy, we live polar opposite lives. He's a DJ full time. And he's running a business that is very demanding. So often I'm a one man band with the house, with the kids, with the business, with everything. I do have super early starts anywhere between 4 to 5 a.m. Last night, which is rare, I was in bed by 9.30. So I try my best to get into bed as early as possible, but there are times where more often that I'm not in bed before 11. There are times where I've finished teaching at 10.30 p.m. 
So that's sometimes, or a lot of the time, it sounds like like five hours sleep. How are you existing? Or is that normal for you? I take a nap. Right. If if and and when kids are out from school, it's even harder. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I do rely on naps, and I have to say, my meditation is what gets me through life. Life, not easy. And this is why I can see and feel everyone's struggle and suffering because I'm, I'm juggling, spinning so many plates, juggling so many balls, just like you. The differences I've learned to observe it, to watch it. And because I don't get caught up in it, I feel more at peace, which gets me through. And the fact that I'm doing what I love is what gets me out of bed it's that spring in my step like if i'm not gonna educate people that yoga is not an exercise and it's a way of being then you know i that's it for me i'll close shop you know god mm -hmm. take me now um yeah well so. deepa thank you so much for coming on for your honesty for the just the lovely vibe that you brought with you to this podcast um i really love it i feel like i need to go to one of your uh, yoga classes or, you know, I know you do these days sometimes. Um, uh, some people were telling me about it. So yeah, I would love to come at some point. I tell everybody yoga is for everybody. I am not for everybody. So if you don't like the way I teach, turn your back on me. Give another teacher a chance because the biggest healing happens when the student, the attendee, the practitioner, and I bond. And if there's no bond there, if you don't feel that connection with me, I'll help you find another teacher. And they're like, oh, would you? And I'm like, yes, I would. Because that's the power of yoga. It's not the power of me. So thank you for having me. No, it's been great. And if people want to find out a bit more about you and your yoga classes, where can they go? Have you got a website or is it your social media handle? Uh, I definitely have a website, deepasupra.com. It's just my name. Um, and Instagram is also a great way to communicate with me through Deepasupra Yoga is my handle. Well, Deepa, I'm hoping that I'll speak to you again very soon. But thank you so much for being on here and sharing. And thank you to everybody for listening. Until next week, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's all good. Old is the goal. Peace out, Bernie. Thank you.